Good evening. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter chapters are the relationship chapters, chapters 8, 9, and 10. And our speaker tonight is Abby D. Thank you so much, Abby. Take it away. All right. Yes. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. My name is Abby D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Michigan. Um, when I was asked to speak on these chapters, I felt like I couldn't say no. The first thought was, oh, eight o'clock is a little too late for me. And then my second thought was, well, it couldn't be more perfect ask of the chapters because I feel like I'm really in the relationship chapters, especially recently in my life and where I'm at. So um, I have a abstinence date of July um, 2018. So I just passed like five years. Um, I've been in OA for about seven. I have had a really bad relapse after two years. And I've gone through a lot of changes in the last five years. I started single living in California. I've moved across the country back home to Michigan. Um, met my husband, changed jobs, got fired, got a new job, got a better job. <laughs> um, things that a lot of a lot of things have have changed in my life. Um, I started dating, I got married. And so the relationship chapters are very, very prevalent for me right now. So I'll just start with chapter eight on page 107. It says, when drinking, they were strangers. Sometimes they were so inaccessible that it seemed as though a great wall had been built around them. And I was completely inaccessible before I came into this program. I was a terrible person in a relationship. I cheated. I lied. Um, all I thought about was me. I still have thoughts of like, I cannot believe the way that I had treated people. When I think about just things that I've done in relationships and just did not care about the, or just didn't even think about the other person. Um, it kind of still haunts me today, even though I've cleaned up my past, you know, I think about how much I've changed. And so it's more of like a living amends to my husband today that, um, you know, he wasn't the one that I hurt so bad in my past, luckily, but my living amends to all the people who I have hurt is that I can hopefully love and treat my husband with respect today. Um, it says on page 108 today, most of our men are better husbands and fathers than ever before, or, you know, change it to uh, whatever, you know, gender identification, but that we can go through profound changes. And that has definitely happened for me. One thing I'm working on right now is pausing. Um, it says on page 111, the first principle of success is that you should never be angry, which happens for me, but patience and good temper are most necessary. So I've really had to work on my pause, going to pause land before I make my, my sudden reactions and, you know, take immediate decisions, which my sponsor so lovely helps me, helps me out with. But that's one thing that I definitely need to continue to do is pause when agitated or doubtful. I think that goes a very long way. Um, page 117 says the faith and sincerity of both you and your husband will be put to the test. These workouts should be regarded as part of your education. 
for thus you will be learning to live. You will make mistakes, but if you are earnest, they will not drag you down. Instead, you will capitalize them. A better way of life will emerge when they are overcome. And this is just such a a positive um a positive paragraph for me because I am making mistakes. Like I'll get mad at my husband in the kitchen or I'll snap and say something that I, you know, that is just like a, like a snap judgment or some sort of criticism. And, and immediately I have this feeling inside of like, oh, that doesn't feel good. And now I have the opportunity to know steps eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Like I have like this guide these guidelines now that I live by where I can realize it's wrong I could admit it right away I can apologize and ask for forgiveness and then I can you know try to do better the next time and that sounds really like oh that is like common sense but I didn't have the steps and the direction to do that before it was like oh I know it's wrong or maybe I'm just going to ignore it and move on with my life like now I actually I have accountability where I have to admit to these things. And then, you know, this is, these chapters are kind of like the spouse and then the family and then the employer. And so we have all these relationships in our lives and, you know, we're trying to manage and, and juggle all these different relationships. I mean, we are meant to have a full life. We're meant to be happy, joyous, and free. And so many of us have, you know, very full lives where we have our family, we have our spouse. So I'm trying to, you know, be, be a wife. And then I'm trying to be a family member and I'm trying to, you know, then go to work and be professional. And um, so there's just like all these different hats. And so the next chapter nine is all about the family. And it, it, I have been like a tornado running through my, the lives of my family before I came in, my mom actually used to describe me as like a tornado. Like I would just come in and like cause a bunch of chaos and just like be on my way out. And um, it says on page 123, it will take time to clear away the wreck. Though old buildings will eventually be replaced by finer ones, the new structures will take years to complete. So like I'm still making mistakes like in my recovery. Um, And these things take sometimes years to wean out. And I'm still working through some situations And it says on page 125, we alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. And so I can be sensitive. It's like, this is describing me. And again, that pause, like I, if I can just learn to like weather my own emotions with God first, then I don't have to be, have all these like knee jerk reactions to life. Like the things that used to, you know, ruffle my feathers immediately and I snap back like I'm still sensitive but I'm learning to like take a breath and and pause and you know maybe walk away or pray or whatever to to create some sort of bigger space in between the feeling and the reaction um let's see so then it starts to talk about how we can live these sane and happy a sane and happy useful life And that's on page 130, like sane, happy, and useful are words that I never, that never used to describe me. I um, definitely wasn't useful. I definitely wasn't sane. And most of the time I was happy if I was like getting, you know, some sort of fix or high from something, then I was happy, but I, I was, I was living 
in like this high world that like, I was only happy if I was like using something or on some, you know, accelerated mental level. Um, and it says we are not a glum lot. We absolutely insist on enjoying life, cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. We are sure that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So, you know, I am of service to the world when I am happy, joyous, and free. I'm a teacher. Um, No one likes when I'm, you know, just kind of like glum. Like if I'm like sulking around the house and then I go to work and I just like hate all the kids and, you know, like it's just kind of a drag to be around. So I've learned if anything, like my attitude and my effort. And even the other day, my husband told me I was like being negative about something. And I was just like, Oh, shoot, like, I really have to think about that. Because like, I don't live in this bubble by myself. Like I'm literally like, it's his home too. And he deserves to have, you know, me be positive about even difficult situations that we're going through right now. Like we need to see, he he needs and deserves someone to see, you know, the light in the situation, even if it's difficult, because when I'm, when I'm in a bad mood or I'm, you know, just oozing out resentment or sadness, like it's to no help to people around me. So I do believe that God wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. And it says on page, you know, it's, it talks about in the big book that some people have um, mental and emotional things that they need to seek outside help. And on page 133, it says, God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. And I am someone who has needed, needed to, um, to, I've needed to go to doctors and I'm glad that I've been able to, you know, get, get other help too, because, um, yeah, I'm not going to say too much about that. It's just, it's worth noting for me that, you know, sometimes to be happy, joyous and free, we have to be honest with what's going on with us. And that sometimes at various times in our life can take other, um, professionals as well. So chapter 10 talks about the employers And on page 139, it kind of talks about how some people just aren't really aware of our disease. And I've definitely found that before. Page 139 says, to you, liquor is no real problem. Maybe a natural annoyance that a man could be so weak, stupid, and irresponsible. So it can be really quick, you know, people, and I've done this before to other people who have addictions too. Like I've had the thought of like, just stop, just stop, you know? And, um, and I, I never actually like was, I wasn't honest with my employers about what I was doing. I mean, I was raging through the staff bathroom and like throwing up in the, in the, you know, the bathroom and racing out of school and, you know, trying to race around town and get all the food I needed. Like nowhere was I coming home and like lesson planning for the next day or like thinking, you know, how can I really help my students grow? Or, you know, I was racing in last minute. I was racing out you know, right on time. And I was just trying to get like the next fix. And I just remember being obsessed with what was in the staff lounge. Like I would be teaching in my classroom, thinking about what was in the staff lounge. And like, after I would like rage through the staff lounge and eat as much as I can, then I was immediately thinking about how am I going to get rid of this? 
you know, what if someone saw me, um, dang, I did it again. You know, now I'm gonna have to diet this and I'm gonna have to work out this much. And it was just like constant obsession. And there's jobs where I look back and I realize like that's, those were the thoughts that I were having, that I was having at that job. When I think about my job today, I think about, you know, my small groups and my reading instruction and um, how I have the objectives, the objectives on the board and how like the kids are organized and they're, you know, reading with each other. And I like the decor in my room and I'm getting along with my teaching partner and my principal's amazing. Like I'm thinking about all these like good things and nowhere am I like obsessed with what was in the staff lounge or what was for lunch. It's just like a non-issue. Um, and then it starts to remind me in chapter 10, I'm, I'm like reminded of also working with others. Like it talks about the fact that we have to be completely necessary to take every step to get well. And it says on page 141, if he doesn't want to stop, you could fire him. If he does want to stop, you could be willing to overlook his past performances. And I think this just goes to show that when someone is ready, they are really ready. And when I was, you know, at my previous jobs and I was working the steps, like I was willing to go to any length. I made amends to my boss, which like in this previous teaching job, um, I just made a really I made a really dumb decision and I almost got myself in a lot of trouble. And I ended up like going to this person who just so happened to be a religious leader in the community. And I had to admit to being like inappropriate in a way. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, you know, you are an example of what, what it means to have God in your life. And that's coming from him after he just like scolded me and was like, told me I was an embarrassment and all this stuff. And then, you know, I walked through the amends process with my sponsor and I developed an amends and I asked to meet with him and I went there and I was shaking. I was literally shaking. I was so terrified, but I was willing to go to absolutely any length. And, um, and I think that we, people are willing to like overlook past performances when we generally, like when we really, really from the heart desire to do well. And I think that's where we're protected too. In the big book, it talks about like, we if we're honestly sorry for what we have done and we're willing to let God take us to better things, then we will, we believe we will be forgiven. And I always think of that when I make mistakes with my husband, like I, I really do have a feeling in my heart of like, Oh shoot. Like I did mess up. Or like when I talk, you know, rudely to a student, like I have a feeling inside my heart that like literally hurts. Okay. Thanks. I see that. Um, I have a feeling inside my heart that like, honestly, I'm really sorry. I mean, part of it is like scared, like, oh God, I want to do the right thing because I don't want to relapse. And I've been told I need to stay on the straight and narrow. But most of it is too like, oh, I don't want to treat someone like that. Like I wouldn't want someone to treat me like that. And um, and so on page 142, it talks, it says again, will he take every necessary step, submit to anything to get well? Um Either you are dealing with a man who can and will get well, or you are not. If you're not, why waste your time with him? He must be willing to go to any extreme to do so. And, you know, I, I had to be willing. I wasn't willing for the first two years. I wanted to make my own food plan. I wanted to decide what I ate. Um, I wasn't eating my alcoholic ingredients, but I wanted to make my own portions. I wanted to eat you know, a huge plate of, of lettuce and all these vegetables. So like the volume was large, but I was getting no calories. And I just wasn't willing, like I had so many people telling me about, you know, get a dietitian, get a meal plan, weigh and measure. And I was like, Psh, 
I don't need that. And I really submitted after my last relapse of like face down in a public bathroom after, you know, binging on ice cream downtown Santa Barbara with my family right outside the door, walking out with like throw up on my face. Like after that, I realized like, okay, I'm willing to go to any length. And I think this disease takes us to places where, you know, we're like beaten down, or at least I was beaten down to a place where I'm willing to accept help. And even like in hard times now, I think about, you know, when I'm crying, and I'm brought to my knees about situations like that's in that moment, I'm willing to do what God has and, you know, in store, and I'm willing to ask God, okay, here we go, you have me and, you know, what is your will for me here? Because I don't, I don't like to suffer. And I know that, you know, I don't have to suffer so much if I didn't try to get my own way all the time. Like if I would just submit to God's will and know that, you know, life is going in the way that God intended, then I don't suffer as much. Um, And then I thought it was interesting because it said on page 146, someone may have to curb the desire to work 16 hours per day that they, they need to play, you know, not just work all the time. And I can definitely get caught up in productivity. Um, but, and I'll, I'll close with this 149 says he will work like the devil and thank you to his dying day. And, you know, I am such a better employee now than I ever was. And I'm so loyal to my, to my school or my, you know, my employer and that, that desire to work a lot. Yeah, I need to curb that and, you know, have fun. But it also is such a testimony to how someone can change. Like I did not care about people, relationships, my family, my employers, like I didn't care about them. I mean, I said I did. And I I mean, deep down, I loved my family. And, you know, I liked my profession. But I actually no, I didn't really like my profession, but I loved my family. And then now it's like, an entire change. I'm finding joy in my work. I love my husband and, um, and my family is, you know, my family is, we're working through things and, um, we're closer than ever. I wasn't even talking to my mom before I was like estranged from her. So, I mean, lots of relationships have been mended. And what I love about these, these chapters is that it's not like, there's no end. Like, it's not like I arrived. These are all, things that I continue to take with me. And um, I'm just hoping for another, another 24 hours. And, you know, if I continue doing these moral, moral things that this book is talking about and taking these steps, then hopefully I can continue having the life that I have today. So you have one minute, Abby. Okay, thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Abby. That was really beautiful. Thank you. And we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapters, the relationship chapters being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. Uh, If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And our Zoom host, Claudine, will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, Mm -hmm. Would the timekeeper, Susan, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. 
If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the for the answer. Okay, and um, Claudine, do you want to call or would you like me to call? Either um, way, I can call. Okay, and yeah. I'll lower the hand. All right, thank you. So Meredith B, you're first. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Abby. Hey, everybody, I'm Meredith B, recovered, recovering in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about how I, right before this um, return to OA, I was sitting at my desk, just paralyzed with rage and anger. I couldn't even work. I was just consumed with what that person did to me, what that person thinks of me, what I'm going to do to get back at them, who I'm going to tattle on. It was so gross. Um, and I am surprised I still have a job there. Um, also, I had a huge, um, really impactful experience with my family who um, especially my two sisters who we kind of broke a couple of years ago, a few years ago, we were, we've still been civil to each other, but we were strained and, um, there was an opportunity to visit with them. I went back home to New York and, um, it was my niece's wedding. Anyway, I was blown away at how I saw things now. Um, <clears throat> I saw how I had always shown up with a chip on my shoulder, judging everyone, um, just so angry. And it was, it was unbelievable. I can't even describe just, I mean, I had made amends to my sisters. So the stage was set and it was like, I just, well, not to sound cliche, but I like, I had a new pair of glasses, you know, it just, everything looked different. Everything felt different. Um, it was amazing. I wanted to ask you if your husband um, says to you, I can't imagine you being like that, like the, the person you describe how you used to be. Yes. He says that frequently because I've never known him. I met him three years ago. We dated for a year, got engaged, and then a year later we got married. And so he knows the last three years of me <laughs> and I am night and day from what I used to be like. I mean, I was kind of a wreck. Um, so yeah, he says that a lot. Like I'll tell him stories and minimal stories but he knows enough and he just can't even like imagine like I would not be he would not be dating me yeah yeah that's awesome thanks Abby I'll pass Kristen D hey everybody um Kristen D here in uh, Missouri grateful member of uh, OA recovering compulsive reader and bulimic and um abby gosh i really really loved your share um i don't get to come to these meetings as often as i'd like to but i just really love all the shares and 
I love how you talked about the pause. I know for my own, you know, I'm 60 years old. I've been in these rooms for many years and I, my bottom line abstinence has been, you know, I don't binge and purge and it's been over a dozen years and that's just been a miracle in so many ways. But I, I just remember that that pause was such a huge part of my recovery is to to realize, you know, the big book always talks about that we're all driven by self-centered fear. And, you know, I used to think I was such a bad person, but what I really liked about the program is it helped me realize that, you know, it's that spiritual malady that so much of my just being driven to be, to take care of myself, you know, to be, feel safe with the food and with the exercise and with all the stuff, you know, and, and just that, like you talked about that secret life and how you just felt that sense of shame and, and separateness from other people. And one of the best, biggest gifts of recovery for me has just been the relationship changes that I don't have to live that lie anymore, that I can be my authentic self and that I don't have to take things so personally because I used to take everything personally and I get my feelings hurt so badly. And it was like the food was my way of, you know, taking care of myself because I wouldn't ask for my needs because I was, you know, never been anorexic food wise. I was more of an overeater but I realized I was anorexic in the way I lived my life. And in relationships, I didn't feel worthy of asking for my needs. And now, you know, rather than being driven by self-centered fear, I can take that pause and just say, you know, what spiritual malady for me right now is really getting triggered? And how can I see this differently? You know, and then they always talk about taking alternative action. And um, so I'm just so grateful that, you know, that I can work these steps in my life and, I appreciate, you know, everybody's got a different path. And, and I think that's the thing too, that, you know, if anybody's newer in program is that I used to do the compare and despair and I hear other people's stories and how they do things. And I think, oh, well, I'm not doing that. I must be doing it wrong and I'm bad and I might as well just give up. And the one thing I've never done over the years is I've never quit. You know, I lived out in the middle of nowhere. I was in the air force. I lived remote before there were cell phones, before there was the internet, but I'd get the lifeline magazine. And that was my one thing. And I'd read it and I even would fly sometimes to places to go to a OA convention. But it was like I never left because I somehow knew there was something in these rooms that, you know, was a miracle, really. And so I really appreciate all you guys um, sharing. I actually live in Missouri. We don't have a lot of meetings where I am. And I also have a, an illness, so I don't get out. That's time, Kristen. These Zoom meetings have been a real blessing. So thanks everybody for sharing. I'll pass. Thank you, Kristen. Chanel. Hi, thank you. I'm Chanel T. I'm a grateful compulsive eater living in recovery today by the grace of God, Abby. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I love to hear from people who identify with a different manifestation than mine. I love that because we need to hear that more in these rooms, I believe that we need to hear more about people who, yes, absolutely the binging, but also having to get rid of it, having to get rid of it, whether it's by purging with exercise, whatever the, the laxatives, whatever it is. And so I really appreciate hearing about that too, and how the obsession's the same in the sense that you, you're not present we're not, I'm not present if I'm in my obsession, which for me is mostly would be volume eating and, and getting that next binge. 
I'm not present at my job. I'm not present in my relationships. I'm just not present for anything except that obsession. And so I really appreciate how you talked about that being your before and your after being present, being in a relationship where he never had to know you that way, which that's a miracle in and of itself. And then I think of you when I think of on page 143, about halfway down, where it says, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart. To get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. And in your life, you didn't lose your career, right? You Maybe you changed jobs, but you didn't lose your career. I don't know if you lost a home or not, just outside the scope of this conversation. But what I love is that you, it, you're clearly showing you've had a change of heart. You're clearly showing that you've had a personality transformation. A spiritual malady that we have is lifted day by day by our, our relationship with our higher power through working these steps. And I'm so glad to hear you. And I know I'm going to be calling you. So thanks so much, Abby. I appreciate you and I'll pass. Thank you, Chanel. Corianne. Hi, I'm Corianne. Sorry, I tried to unmute myself at the same time. Um, can you all hear me okay? Yes. Okay, I have this earbud in, um, and I'm like hiding in my backyard from my kids right now. So um, I'm Corianne. I'm a compulsive overeater in Texas, and I wanted to thank you, Abby, for your share. Um, it just really resonated with me in so many ways. Um, but mostly when you talked about the pause and, um, that's something that is so new to me. Um, I guess I'm officially recovered right now. I just finished. Um, but I haven't said that out loud yet because I do feel a little nervous saying that, but, um, I've only been in the program four months now. Um, but what I'm finding just tonight, I did it before this meeting and it's so, unlike me that pause um we um have a four-year-old that we recently adopted from foster care and so he has a lot of um, trauma behaviors um and then on top of that just um you know he he learned how to survive and so what he did to survive in his environment um can be really like abrasive and aggressive behaviors and so it's really hard for me to stay calm when he is escalating and um in the moment, like I can get mad and then later I'll apologize and all. But tonight at bath time, as he started to try to bite me and he's hitting me and throwing toys at me, I sat him down and I said, Zayden, I feel really upset right now. I need to just take some deep breaths. He kept throwing things and he eventually stopped. And, and I modeled to him, I took deep breaths and he's like, are you angry? Are you happy? He loves to, you know, we're, we work on emotions. And, and I said, I feel really frustrated and I'm kind of angry, but I'm going to take deep breaths right now to calm myself down. And I thought that that is a gift of this program because not only am I not responding in anger, but I'm teaching him what he can do when he feels angry. And so um, I have a long ways to go, but I'm so thankful that I am learning um, to, to pause instead of react and then apologize later. So um, that's all that I had to share. Thank you all for um, your time and for being here.
Dana, go right ahead. Hi. Oh, wait. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, good. I can hear you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dana, uh, recovering um, compulsive overeater. Uh, your share was really wonderful, Abby. Um, I really uh, appreciate your honesty and your specificity, you know, just really like giving us the examples. Um, I think um, you really put yourself out there and I think it makes it a lot easier to to understand and to take in when people are specific and they're vulnerable. So thank you for, for doing such a, um, being so open in your share. Um, as far as the, um, the specifics that you spoke about, I also am dealing a lot with learning to pause. Um, and I currently having to do a lot in um, my work life and I used to not pause and now I'm pausing and it's actually literally like a whole new world. Um, and the way that I used to see solving problems was to um, go down there and show them the right way to do it because I'm the boss. And um, we are working with a, a, a guy who we gave, he is a very expensive job and he's really messed it up, like just like literally. And so I have to go down there and I've been praying and I've been um, thinking about him and me as two people walking, you know, side by side. And I can't believe how much more open I am. And I feel like I'm leading from my heart. Like the conversation that we're going to have isn't going to be about what he did wrong, actually. Um, it's going to be about working together and to make things better you know, as we move forward. And I just feel like it is the biggest lease on life. I mean, I new lease on life. It's a so one in my body. It just feels so amazing not to be pumping that anger and reactivity and really underneath that fear. Um, and um, it's just, and, and in a way it's exciting for the business that I can be leading like that and, it's just such a whole new world. So thank you for pointing that out in your your share. And I, I um, yeah, I'm really grateful that I have an opportunity to feel these things. Um, it's really amazing. So that I'll pass. Thank you, Dana. Megan, you're next. Hi, um, I'm Megan, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater through the grace of God. And thank you, Abby, so much for your share. I have so many different notes written down, but um, some of the things that stood out to me was when you were talking about being a tornado in the lives of uh, our family. Um, you know, that is exactly how I was with my family for the majority of it. And I'm also, you know, in another program and I, because um, I was a drug addict and alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, alcoholic recovered, thank God, but I abandoned my kids. And, um, when I got clean and sober, I came back physically into their lives, but I was still absent, you know, in my disease. And you talk about being inaccessible in relationships while in your disease. And, um, I had very broken relationships with my children. And, um, in the past three years that I've been in this program, I have been, um, guided on how to, um, start mending those fractures and um, I get to love and treat my children with the respect today and as a living amends. And this morning I got home from work, I work overnights and 
my daughter, who I just had like such a broken, broken relationship with in the past, walked by my door and she said, mom, you're home. And I said, yeah. And she walked in my room and she's 22. And she said, hi, I'm so happy to see you. And I said, oh, I'm happy to see you too. Can I get a hug? And she just laid down with me and like we hugged. And I thought, you know, that is a miracle of this program. That's the miracle that I had this relationship with somebody who I had hurt so badly. And I've been able to start um, doing some uh, fixing around it. The last thing I wanted to say is that when you say, we are sure that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I believe that this book is divinely written. And so when I heard that again, I wrote direct orders from God. Those are my direct orders from You got muted, Megan. Can you? Oh, I was just saying thank you. That was it. I'm going to go ahead and pass it. But thanks. And Melissa, Melissa G. Hi. Um, did we ever stop the recording or is this meeting? Okay. Um, sorry, I'm Melissa G, binge eater and uh, recovered for today, these 24 hours. Abby, it was 